0: Welcome to ResTalk, your source for the latest insights, trends, news, and resources from leaders in the building performance and rating world. Here's your host, a committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer and the podfather of energy efficiency, Bill Spohn.
1: Hello and welcome back to ResTalk. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and I've worked in the HVACR and building performance markets for almost 30 years and I've been interfacing with the fine team at ResNet for nearly that whole time. The goal of this podcast, ResTalk podcast, is to communicate some late-breaking news and thoughtful insights about the vast array of topics in the rapidly expanding world of residential energy ratings to the broad array of stakeholders in the ResNet ecosystem. So whether you're a housing consumer, rater, builder, realtor, or appraiser, you want to hear about the evolving trends in home energy ratings. In this episode of ResTalk, we're joined by Robert Broad. Senior Vice President of Development at AMH, where he oversees new home and community development operations, including land acquisition, land development, purchasing, product development, and construction. Robert shares with us AMH's focus on a desire to create more energy-efficient homes using scalable techniques and measurable goals. During this conversation, we learn of some new and innovative approaches by AMH. Robert also shares with us why AMH chooses to have its homes HERS-rated and what he feels the special aspects of a ResNet HERS-rated home are. We also hear that in 2022, AMH built 2,183 homes with an average HERS score of 61.9 or 0.9 better than 2021. Robert tells us how ResNet offers builders a quantifiable program where you can excel with a wide range of markers that are compatible across multiple regions and climate zones. With AMH investing in being long-term owner-operators, durability is a key operating metric in their new builds. ResNet helps AMH establish their baseline and sustainability efforts to create a strong foundation that they can use to track progress year over year. And let's get into this conversation with Robert Broad of AMH Development on energy efficient home building at scale. Good afternoon, Robert. Good
2: afternoon, Bill.
1: Robert, give us some background on AMH and yourself at the same time.
2: Yeah, I'd love to. So let me start with me. So I've been in the production home building space for a little over 25 years. My background is architecture and engineering, and I spent the vast majority of my career with top five production home builders. I had the great fortune to actually work directly with Bill Pulte for a number of years, and really in the innovation side of things. So we had manufacturing facilities first in Detroit and then in Manassas, Virginia, And then I moved over to the trade side of the business, where we developed what was called multi-building systems. We had large in-house trade contractors for framing, trusses, trim, plumbing, all those things. And during that period of time, we had a high focus on building durable, energy-efficient homes. And I had the opportunity to actually lead one of the nonprofits within the space, the Energy and Environmental Building Alliance. So I was actually president of the board for seven years there. And got to meet a lot of luminaries within the field and really helped move the ball forward. So that was a terrific experience for me. And then I've been with AMH now, American Homes Front, for a little over three years. Really fortunate to catch a rapidly expanding business within the REIT space. So American Homes Rent has been public for about 10 years. They own and operate single-family rental homes across the U.S., And starting roughly six years ago, they decided to actually stand up a home building operation within the parent REIT. And our home building operation now spans 18 markets. We have roughly 300 people that work with us on everything from acquiring the land, developing land, developing product for that. So we have procurement teams, we have construction teams, again, in 18 markets. And we're now proudly a top 40 home building operation and rather unique in that we are able to build homes for ourselves. So we are long-term owner-operators of these purpose-built single-family rental homes. Wow,
1: that's quite a background and quite an accomplishment there for AMH. What are some of the markets that you operate in?
2: So we operate across four regions when we're talking specifically the new home building side of AMH. We are in the Mountain West, which includes Seattle, Boise, Salt Lake, Denver, and Colorado Springs. Our Southwest markets include Reno, Las Vegas, Phoenix, and Tucson. In the East, we have Nashville, Columbus, Raleigh, and Charlotte. And then our Southeast group is based in Atlanta, and our also includes Charleston, Jacksonville, Orlando, and Tampa. The parent organization actually operates across 40 markets, so they have a little bit bigger footprint than we do on the new side.
1: So with all that work going on and some of your background working for the top five builders, there's been a lot of innovation. Is there anything new or innovative coming from AMH that you could talk about?
2: Yeah, I think there's a few things. Actually, we've experimented and have actually launched at least one community, including solar on the roofs. And that's a little bit different model than most REITs would experience. But we were able to experiment with a community called Bella Luna in Las Vegas And it's actually been very well received. So those homes are actually leasing up as we speak, and we're looking forward to more feedback there. But a couple other things, we actually, in a number of our markets, are using a new advanced duct system called REIA, R-H-E-I-A. The nice thing with REIA is it complements some strategies that we already have in play. So for instance, we include an HVAC closet and conditioned space in all of our homes And again, that falls in line with our overall goal of providing desirable, durable, and efficient homes. So obviously operating that HVAC equipment inside of conditioned space versus in a hot attic or those types of things has both a durability impact as well as an efficiency impact. And then with RIA, we're able to use relatively small diameter ducts, also 100% in conditioned space. So again, just reducing that impact from if you picture a Phoenix attic in the middle of summer at 150 degrees, it's a big difference to run your duct work within a nicely conditioned space versus through that environment. And a lot easier to get around obstructions. So just smaller ducts enable us to have uh, better duct installation overall. So really excited about that. And then maybe one other thing that I would highlight is that uh, a number of our markets in the Mountain West... They're exploring, and have already done some demo homes with what are known as frost protected shallow foundations, so more energy efficient foundation system that has been around for probably the better part of thirty years, and it's written into the code, but is very unfrequently used by production home builders. It takes a little bit of expertise, but we're looking to move the ball forward in that regard as well.
1: So, as a relative trendsetter, do you see other builders following what you're doing?
2: The home building space is good at being fast copiers, and Bill Pulte was a fan of that expression too. didn't need to necessarily be on the bleeding edge of everything, but being fast copiers when things work well. So I've got a lot of contacts within the space and people doing some terrific stuff, whether it's zero energy homes and those types of things, but typically in very small volumes. So what we like to do is figure out which of those things are commercial ready. And again, as a REIT, we've got a unique opportunity to take the long view. So instead of having to Recoup all of those costs or the expense of perhaps a new system day one when we sell it to a consumer. We get to own and operate the homes for 20 years. So, in some cases, we can take a little bit of a more expensive approach. So, whether that's paying for better products up front, either on the efficiency side or durability side, knowing that as a long term owner operator, we can actually benefit from that. So, it's a nice twist on what I would have experienced for the previous 20 years of my career where we can. Maybe not always have to sell every single benefit upfront day one with a customer. We can actually realize that as the operator
1: of the home. In some ways, you're doing your own research in the process and have an organizational structure that allows that. So it's very clever, very interesting. It'd be very interesting to hear those innovation sessions, I'm sure, with all the things going on and all the give and take that you have to have in the complex world of building a home.
2: Yeah, and it, it spans from the mundane. We get a lot of feedback from our property management team that is super useful, but can get into the weeds. So for instance, we don't use towel bars. We only use towel hooks. Now that doesn't seem like a maybe an energy efficiency thing, but it's real for our teams doing turns. They don't want to have towel bars turn out of the walls. But it goes into really the weeds on some of these things. We include, for instance, a blinds package in every one of our homes. So as you're going through an ashtray, manual J, we should have partial shading, including that load calculation. So that does impact the energy efficiency of the home. These things, as we get those feedback loops from our property management team, and those folks are all in-house, we get that benefit over time of realizing that feedback and then making improvements to the
1: home as a result. Wow. Those interdependencies can get into the weeds. So that's very true. Why does AMH choose to have its homes HERS rated? Yeah,
2: great question. I've been around this a long time, and I've never been a fan of, I'll call it the NASCAR approach, of just collecting stickers or collecting labels. <laughs> a lot of folks do that, and I don't need the globe stickers all over everything. And there's a lot of opinion, and there's lobbying, and there's points-based systems and all these things. And at the end of the day, what I really like and appreciate about ResNet from day one in the HERS program is that it's a metric-based program. It's fact-based. And No single number measure is perfect, but much like MPG for cars, the HERS score is easily understood and it comprehends the total energy use of the home. So instead of the lobbying around this is better than that, I'd rather focus on the metrics. This is probably the engineer in me, right? So are we getting better or are we not? And I like the concept of manufacturers and others competing for my next energy efficiency dollar that is spent. So whether that happens to be an improvement in the windows or the HVAC equipment or better lighting, that concept, that continuous improvement that I think is really supported by the HERS structure says, how do you get to the best score at the end of the day? How do you use the least total energy on an annualized basis? And that's what I've always appreciated about the program. It's simple, it's straightforward, and it's metric driven.
1: Very good. That's a good affirmation for the resident HERS rating system there. How many homes does AMH build a year that include a ResNet HERS rating?
2: So last year, we built a little over 2,100 homes. We've made the commitment that we are going to HERS rate all of our homes. And we did last year, and we'll do that going forward. Again, that's a little bit of a departure, what you see from some others. And in some cases, you'll see builders just HERS rate where it's common practice within a market, or they'll avoid HERS rating in markets that maybe you don't have the best score. We've taken the approach that we're going to HERS rate everything and across the board. And you can't get better if you don't have the scoreboard up there that you're looking at. We are HERS rating all of our homes. So last year, that was a little over 2,100 homes. And this year, our public guide to the street is somewhere around 2,200 homes, I think. So we should come in somewhere around street guidance, but I don't think think we've provided a more recent update than that.
1: We have some statistics here that the HERS score was 61.9 for those homes in 2022, which was a 0.9 lowering of the score compared to the prior year. So are you looking at that as a trend? Is that something that you're doing deliberately or to reduce those her scores?
2: We absolutely are. Of course, averages can get tricky and that is a weighted average. So it depends a little bit on where those volumes of homes are coming from. But yes, we are continuing to make progress across the board, whether that's in the thermal envelope or the components that go into the homes I would tell you that we have some regions that are actually averaging her scores in the low 50s to high 40s. So it really does depend by region. And we're working to educate our trade partners as we go along. I would imagine your audience appreciates the fact that there's a fair amount of both inspector education and trade partner education along the way to get better. So in some areas of the country, it's already common practice. People are already used to building good energy efficient homes. In other cases, we still need to do some education and bring some people along in that process. But yes, it is a planful process for us to continue to make strides in every market that we deliver the homes and continue to see those scores come down.
1: Very good. When you look at the main factors of energy efficiency, scalability, measuring the energy goals, is there a place where you spend more of your time studying or collecting information? We
2: have a really interesting advantage, again, as a REIT, as a single-family home operator, Where we can actually collect that data over a period of time. In my past, when we would have sold the homes, you have to get permission for the owners to actually share their energy bills with you. We actually can consolidate and pull data across the entire installed portfolio, which is really very helpful at the end of the day of like, how are these homes actually performing? There's that aspect of it. And then we're just now getting to the point where we can get a little bit more consumer feedback. Um, The market had been so white hot that literally everything that we had out there was renting so quickly. There is very little differentiation in terms of what consumer uh, product or feedback was. So we're really looking forward to working with our in-house marketing team to dive deeper into that. That's still a very, very healthy market, but starting to see a little bit of differentiation in terms of consumer feedback around not just the floor plans, but the components that they maybe like more than others. So I'm looking to go deeper there. And then, of course, working with our teams, continue to find, uncover opportunities for improvements. Again, we like to have the tagline of desirable, durable, and efficient. So we're always looking at opportunities to get just a little bit better in every one of those regards.
1: So where do you do your research or where does your team do the research to bring forward these ideas of innovation? Is it any specific conferences or fact-finding or research? How does it work?
2: We've got a lot of contacts within the business. We've got the benefit that we've attracted a lot of talent. So across our organization, we've got a lot of folks that with 15, 20, 25 years experience, much like myself. I actually just returned a couple of weeks ago from the Westford Symposium on Building Science. So some of the luminaries of the field, again, I've had great luxury over the years of interacting with Joe Stebrick and those folks. Obviously, all the folks at Ibicus, we actually partner with them as well. So obviously Michael Dickens has retired, but that team continues to do a terrific job for us. We partner with them on annual construction quality audits. And then uh, you probably know some of the folks with SEAT Construction Instruction. So Mark Laliberte and Gord Cook and those folks. So yeah, I keep in touch with a lot of the industry around what's new and what's developing and what's viable, as do our teams and our trade partners frequently bring things forward as well. So they'll bring forward opportunities within a a market or a region, and we are happy to look at those as well.
1: That's a very forward-looking, frankly. I'm surprised by the long list you just read there. I didn't go to summer camp this year. I went last year, couldn't go this year because we had a grandchild being born, but I would have met you in person. Dang it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the 25th anniversary. I told Joe that I hadn't been in probably 10 years, and his backyard still somehow fits everybody, which is amazing. But that has grown to be quite the operation over the years, so great folks there.
1: Thinking about that, was there anything you took away from that conference in particular that got your gears going? I think a couple things.
2: Jim Larson had a great discussion, and Jim was with Cardinal Glass. If you don't know Jim, he's actually going to be retiring this year. Really continued to understand the impact on of window performance on not just energy efficiency, but comfort. Jim was one of the ones that clued me in early in my career, of just how big a deal comfort is along with efficiency. So this concept of mean radiant temperature, and I live in the desert Southwest, and if we didn't have these great dual pane low E windows, I wouldn't be able to sit within five feet of them in the middle of summer when it's 100 degrees. So just the continued work there and the great work that's happening within the window space, reductions in the failure rates of argon filled and those, some of those elements. And then it's always great networking, of course, just so hearing what other people are doing along the way to push the ball forward. Some of the measurement systems in place to understand comfort and ties to really, there's even some presentations that looked at active adult and nursing home communities and what's happening with ventilation rates. Just keeping an eye on all those things, I think is helpful, right? So how do we glean what's production ready from the people that are pushing the envelope
1: forward the fastest? Very good. I'm familiar with Ibacus. I live in Pittsburgh. It's a Pittsburgh company and learned about RIA probably three, four years ago when I did a podcast with someone from Ibacus. So one of these podcasts. Yeah.
2: I was blessed to interact even with Brad Oberg back in the day. So I've been involved with those guys and Mark Tilly, of course, over the years. So we brought them on relatively early within AMH to partner with us on construction quality audits. And again, I mentioned durability. So desirable, durable, efficient. We take it very seriously. So we're partnering with some of the best in the industry around it.
1: And as you mentioned, some of those features, I guess, is the installation features with the RIA. Not to focus in on that, but there's some other ancillary benefits that come from that in terms of training and the ability to perform and get the ducts installed. Is that correct?
2: It absolutely is. And I think everyone is figuring out that the labor issues within our space are not going away. We're continuing to age out the workforce. So the fact that it is both a more efficient installation, so more labor efficient, as well as easier to do correctly. So trying to mastic an old ducted return versus a snap fitting for RIA, those are just dramatically night and day differences and to be able to have a job kit that comes in on a single pallet and then have the installers figure it out. We just have some great stories from the field. I mean, folks that literally after they installed their first home, they're like, how do we get more of this? How do we do this more quickly? We want it as soon as we can get it. So the installation side, I think is a nice feed. And what I continue to see in the, our industry is that the things that are also energy efficient have an impact on labor or comfort. And those are the things that I think are really exciting is that how do we not just build a more efficient home, but also a more comfortable home and do so more cost effectively. And that's the trifecta. That's where the sweet spot is.
1: That's a win. So you spent some time with IBA as the president of the board, the Energy and Environmental Building Alliance. That was a few years ago. Can you tell us about that experience?
2: Yeah, great experience, great group. So a relatively large board. We had, I think, a 19 or 20 person board uh, at the time. And we were managing through the downturn. This was 2006, 7, going to 2013 type of vintage. So we actually helped navigate through really government funding and some of the continuing resolution stuff that was happening at the time, to shifting to more private funding. But Really enjoyed the ability to get out there and do a lot of fundamental building science education with that team. Um, The Houses That Work series, I think, still continues to this day. And a lot of building science is non-obvious to people, even those that have been around the industry for a long time. So how do we pay that forward? So enjoyed the experience immensely. Got to meet and interact with a ton of great folks on that board, both on the manufacturer side, as well as raiders, the who's who within the industry, right? And seeing the education and how important that was, I've also taken that to heart. So we do a lot of education within our AMH team on just basic understanding. So whether it's understanding, well, what is manual JDNS? What is, when we're talking about a e window, what does that really mean? Understanding the why behind it instead of just going through a checklist. So that's probably one of the takeaways that I've had over the years is taking the time to explain to people what we're trying to accomplish. Instead of just telling them, here's the specs that we want to see.
1: I think you have a richer experience as an employee and probably a better experience for the products that are built.
2: I think it gets at even employee satisfaction, right? I think people want to take pride in what they build and we can attract a better cohort, a better group of team members if we're walking the talk, but also explaining to them why these things are important. And that feels good to go back to your family at the end of the day and say, hey, I'm part of really building a terrific home. And that's the point of pride. And I think it gets us access to better talent at the end of the day too.
1: Absolutely. We want to make people's work worthwhile. Do you have any closing thoughts for the listeners who do make up a group of product manufacturers, builders, auditors, raters, real estate professionals, a wide audience that we cast in that for the podcast? What would you like to leave them with?
2: Maybe a couple thoughts. One, I'm just continuing to be such a huge fan of hers. I have been from early on and continue to be. I really like and appreciate again the simple metric. And when people ask me, "Well, why aren't you using this this best product on the market known to man?" Th- there's also sense that we have to have a what's production ready. So we are willing to, of course, push the envelope, but we do so in a manner that's logical and pragmatic, and that doesn't always align with everyone's goals. But that doesn't mean that everyone doesn't have a lane in this. If we didn't have the people that are doing the ultra low energy use homes, they wouldn't be blazing the path for what becomes production ready later. So I think just having people be mindful that everyone's got a role to play in this. And so whether it's the people building one or two ultra efficient homes, or those of us that are responsible for thousands of homes, and it should be a symbiotic relationship It should be a really mutually beneficial discussion over time of how we get better, how we continue to lower the costs, improve the execution. So those are things that I'm excited about is what I've always been interested in within the business is that interesting pivot around what's production ready and what's not, and how do we with scale bring the cost down on some things. So that's, again, a really mutually beneficial relationship and people keeping an eye on that over time.
1: Yeah. Push the envelope. Don't tear it
2: (laughs) or rip it. There's a difference between the cutting edge and the bleeding edge, right?
1: Yes, there is. Yeah. If someone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way?
2: I'm available through amh.com. So I think post either in the chat or the notes here my email
1: address, and I'm available on LinkedIn as well. Very good. And we did connect on LinkedIn just today. <laughs> so thank you for that. And I appreciate you coming on to the Res Talk podcast and sharing these deep and rich insights and perspectives i feel motivated by what you said i hope our listeners do too
2: thanks bill really appreciate you having me on
1: thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the res talk podcast where robert broad of amh development shared some of the techniques and goals that amh has in energy efficient building at scale if you're a pro in the building market surf on over to resnet.us forward slash professional r-e-s-n-e-t dot forward slash professional to learn more or join the email list or at the top of the page there you'll see a link to past editions of the res talk podcast here's a quote for today by yoke insights sustainability is no longer about doing less harm it's about doing more good if you're interested in feeding back to ResNet on what you heard here today, or would like to hear a new topic covered, or just have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.r.e.s.n.e.t.us. If you're not subscribed, please consider doing so. And as always, thank you for listening to ResTalk. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the Res Talk Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn, produced by William P. Spohn, LLC, and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app, or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for Res Talk. We would appreciate a review on iTunes or on the podcast app. This will help others find the show. We look forward to talking again soon on ResTalk.